0: From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. I guess it doesn't
1: matter anyway. I don't care about nothing for you. I guess, guess it, it doesn't matter
2: anyway. Cause I don't care about nothing. I don't care about nothing for you. No, I don't care about nothing.
3: It is Friday, December 27th, 2019. You're listening to the. Deal. The New Year's edition of the Relevant Podcast. Right. It's an exciting. It's an exciting. It's kind of an exciting time for us. It's a time to sort of kick our heels back a little bit, and and usually. This is where I'd say something about my friend Chandler Strang being down there in Orlando. Keep things on the rails today, as his partner was a <laughs> illustrious producer. But you know what? We're not even going to bother getting on the rails today. So I don't even know what my friend Chandler Strang <laughs> is am doing, I doing here. here. But it's good to have you, Chandler. <laughs> hello. Hey,
0: thanks.
3: And up there in Loveland, Virginia. Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun today. Uh, Jesse Carey is joining us again.
0: Hello, hello. Welcome to the final podcast of the decade. Oh, man. What oh, yeah. a I guess It's 10 years. Wow. When did I know this is it, what year was the first official relevant when did when did this
3: actually come on air when was it, when did our debut play just like a like an asteroid into the ocean killing the I think, dinosaurs I think it's
0: I think it's around 2006 2005 I think so I think it was around that. been here for a healthy yeah. a healthy part of the decade yeah. I suppose then Oh, I mean, we've been here for the entirety of the last decade. It's, I mean, almost two decades now. It's Uh, a decade and a half. One of the
3: the longer running podcast, and we appreciate everybody who's been there for us. We're going out on a pretty good note today. Uh, (laughs) We've been excited to share this one for a long time. This one's a lot of fun. Greta Gerwig is going to be joining us to talk about her new movie, Little Women. I hope you've heard about yeah. it. Maybe you've already seen it. If not, this will give you a lot of good context. It's a pretty spoiler-free discussion, although the book's been around for about 150 years at this point. Uh, but, <laughs> but we had a
1: great we had a great conversation. I'm excited
3: to. We I was I had a really good time going up to talk to Greta Gerwig about this movie. Uh, we'll share a little more about that conversation in a bit here. Also, we're playing a New Year's game. It's called "Gonna Take My Horse to the Old Lang Sign. We were going to be joined this time by uh but with jesse what happened here this is the second now week in a row i
0: this is not this is this is an accidental i teased this up last week so a few so coming out in on january 7th is a new book by Corey asbury um uh that is is called reckless love and he of course is a songwriter before uh, of reckless love he's sort of been on a sabbatical this year, uh, but we talked. Yeah, uh, we talked a few weeks ago about his book, and it's a, it's a devotional. It's very good, and so we're we're doing it. I'm doing an interview about the book, but we start joking around. We start having a lot of fun because, as listeners know, he has sparked a lot of dialogue on this conversation about uh, casual dining and the perks of casual dining restaurants. He is the holder of a Chick fil A black card. So, lo- so just for a little context, mm-hmm. he was playing a a Chick fil A corporate event. And instead of an honorarium, instead of taking payment for this, he told me that he asked the good folks at Chick-fil-A's corporate headquarters if he could have a Chick-fil-A black card, which would entitle him to have free Chick-fil-A for, for life. All you do is show this card, you get as much Chick-fil-A as you want. We started talking about that on on our podcast uh, and how, you know, the dream scenario for us would be to get Chandler a Chili's equivalent of that card. Sure enough, the good folks at Chili's heard this and delivered uh, 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 not only uh, Chandler got some chili swag, but he also has. What color is your card, Chandler? It's red. Yeah, it's red, but it's made of metal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Extremely rare metallic metal. It could be a one of one. It could be a one of one. So anyway, <laughs> we're talking be. to Corey. I'm talking could to Corey be. Asbury about his book. And I start, I bring up the Chick-fil-A card and how, you know, it's, it's helped us secure the, the Chili's card for Chandler. And he told me about some drama between him Ooh. and Chick-fil-A uh, and how they changed the uh, basically what he was entitled to with his black card. And it's, it was a game changer. Somehow. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but this is why we wanted Corey on today. Uh, he, somehow Chipotle has gotten involved in this and Chipotle is sort really? of courting him with free food to try to be an exclusive club holder for them. So anyway, doing the interview with Corey and I'm like, Corey, why don't you come on and we'll co-host co- the show with, with me and Huck a whole episode. This morning I got an email from him and he has strep throat. Last week we we're supposed to have prop Ooh. on the Friday show. He got sick, had to text me last minute. Corey said he was willing to power through if we really needed him <laughs> to. But I told him, Protect those pipes, my man. Protect those pipes. He's got they one are thing. too important. Mm-hmm. They are too important to churches around the country on Sunday mornings. We need those pipes crank out some more worship tunes for us. So Corey is is will not be joining us, unfortunately, but in the game that we're playing that he was that we wrote with the intention of him playing (laughs) there is sort of a hat tip to him right tyler there's a hat tip.
3: yeah there there is and it'll we're going to keep the hat tip but it's not going to make a whole lot of sense without that context so we're just going to have to but you know what so there's the context like i said we're not even starting on the rails today this was all that i'm not bothering trying to make sense out of it there there's a game it's going to involve part of Corey's story you and instead of Corey, I suppose a, a listener, one of our listeners is going to be calling in instead, and we're right, going to help for the yeah. and they're and they're just going to have to hope for the best. Uh, but let's hope that yeah. they have, let's say, an unusual amount of knowledge about fast casual dining chains. The, <laughs> the, I would be surprised, but you never know.
0: <laughs> listen between between the Popeyes chicken sandwich and you know Chick-fil-A yeah. get name dropped in Kanye. It's been a it's been a big year. For fast casual yeah. dining, it's we been all a know more about year. fast cash than I think we thought
3: we were going to at the outset of 2019. <laughs> it's, been, it's been on my radar. I think
0: we we I think we thought we were going to, or than we even wanted to. So, um, <laughs> well, it'll be it's gonna be a good game. Yeah, we got it. We got Greta Gerwig coming up. We have a game coming up. Uh, we have the Hot List coming up. But can I can I talk to you guys real quick before I I don't want to belabor this because we have so much content to get to, and you had a really great conversation with Greta Gerwig, Tyler. I know we want to play pretty much it in its entirety because it actually took place at a very pretty special location, right?
3: Yeah, we we can get into that now, but they but they were the studio was nice enough to fly me up to it was in Concord, Massachusetts, which was where Little Women obviously is set, uh both the book and the movie, and uh, we had the conversation in Louisa May Alcott's old home. Her like it's called the Orchard House now, but wow. it's where she was raised, it's where she wrote Little Women, it's where she set Little Women in her mind, and it's where I interviewed Greta Gerwig. So lots of history between a famed interviewer yeah. talking to a beloved filmmaker to a classic novel <laughs> <laughs> really, no end to uh, just, how much, <laughs> just, just yeah. how much history has been made in this household. But you had a, you had something you wanted so, to get to. I don't even want to spoil it because so. you wrote a note here to ask you about something. I'm just going to let you go for it. What, what, it sounds like you okay, had an interesting so, Christmas movie observation.
0: Yeah. So okay. So here's the thing. We you know we're just coming out of uh, Christmas, and I'm sure everyone did the exercise where they have like Christmas movies on in the background. Uh, all sure. the time, like at all the family gatherings, they they turn a Christmas movie on and on a TV, so like the kids have something to watch while the adults are you know kind of hanging out and catching up doing their thing. And so I was at one of these family get-togethers in the last few days. And it, I, I don't know, I'm sure you guys have seen Home Alone and Home Alone Lost in New York, the sequel, are both on Disney+. Mm-hmm. Plus, so they're in heavy rotation this year. Um, and I was watching Home Alone, and I noticed, you know, Home Alone, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how it, it's when you break it down, it's it's pretty dark. It is basically a children's version of the Saw franchise. You know, yeah. Kevin McAllister yeah. is Jigsaw. Like, he's figuring he out up. elaborate this ways. This is where he started. This is yeah. his
3: origin story. This is a Saw prequel.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, the, the, the entire premise of the movie is he finds elaborate ways to humorously mortally wound <laughs> to. I mean, granted, like this is the only children's home invasion film. Right, I mean, so the whole <laughs> the whole construct of the movie is dark, right? And so I understand that, and we we talked about it, I think we talked about Janie and Ivy a couple weeks ago, and so mm-hmm. so I've watched it, but I noticed something that um I don't think when I watched it as a kid I realized that the darkest moment of the film isn't the child abandonment, isn't the home invasion, or isn't the gratuitous violence and and, and extreme forms of of physical torture. It's actually Takes place in John Candy's cameo. Now, uh, John Candy was a brilliant comedian from the era. And I, I watched a back, there's a, there's a show on Netflix called Movies That Made Us. And they're like behind the scenes documentaries about movies from this era, like Die Hard and Ghostbusters and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I watched, I watched the documentary and I saw that John Candy appeared in this film, uh, for free as a favor to John Hughes, uh, who had just, uh, helped him land the film Uncle Buck which was another uh a big comedy of the time. And so, uh as a favor, he said he would give John Hughes one day on set, one day only. Uh, and it was on the condition that John Candy would be allowed to improvise. So John Candy portrays the gentleman that gives Kevin's mom a ride from the airport in the back of like a box truck with a polka band. You guys remember the scene, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course.
3: And it's Catherine O'Hara uh, who's, uh,
0: who's uh,
3: plays yeah, the mom. Yeah, Catherine O'Hara. Who's,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah. She's a brilliant uh, comedic actress in her own right. She's, she's, I mean, her career is still going. She's still hilarious. You know, she's exactly. great, great in all yep. the Christopher Guest. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, she's a scene sealer in all the Christopher Guest movies. But anyway, so they're at the back of this box truck. And, and I noticed a movie that is a moment that's pretty dark where the mom asks John Candy if he's ever left a child home alone. OK, I'm sure you guys have both seen this movie numerous times. Tyler Chandler, do you remember what John Candy's reply is? No, I don't. This is, neither did I, because as a it child, was playing, it was even playing in the background on Christmas two days ago. And I still don't know what you're talking about. And as a child, I think I breeze right over it, too, because everyone's waiting for the burglary scene. This is the darkest moment in the in the film where John Candy confesses to Catherine O'Hara that he left his child in the same room with a dead body for a full day before he remembered it. And then when he went in to retrieve him, his child did not talk for seven weeks after the incident. That's pretty messed up. That is pretty dark. This is a children's movie. How does no one remember the scene? Chandler actually pulled a clip. I want you to play it and I want you guys to think about how disturbing this is that they let this into a PG movie. I mean, listen, I think it's a brilliant piece of dark comedy, but I, you know, I'm a fan of like Always Sunny, which is a very dark, you know, uh yeah. a show that that it, it operates in 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 very dark humor. I was surprised to see this gone th- this clip in Home Alone and that I'd somehow really miss uh, didn't appreciate it for all these years. Chandler, why don't we play this clip for us? Tell me, have you ever gone on vacation
4: and left your child home? No. No, but I did leave one at a funeral parlor once. Yeah, it was, uh, it was terrible, too. You know, I was all distraught and everything, you know, the wife and I. And we left the, the little tyke there in the funeral parlor all day. All day. You know, we, we <laughs> were back at night when, you know, when we came to our oh. senses and... <laughs> there he was apparently he was there alone all day with a corpse <laughs> yeah, he was okay you know after six seven weeks I came around started talking again <laughs>
2: (laughs) Wow.
4: But he's okay. You
3: know, they get over it. Kids are
4: resilient
0: like that.
2: Maybe we shouldn't talk about it. It's
0: like, how did I miss the comedic brilliance and the the true, true darkness of that scene? It was like, Tyler, I know you hate, I know you hate, uh, for some reason, the show Modern Family, which I think is a brilliantly written uh, sitcom, but there's a line in there that occasionally they'll dip their toe in pretty dark waters. There's a scene in there where... uh, uh, Phil is talking you know like can Ch- Ch- Chandler, I know you're a fan mm-hmm. of modern family, at least the early seasons you 've seen a lot, right yep, 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 so mm-hmm. one of the ongoing jokes is is cam one of the one of the the members of the family uh, is also a clown. He, he also dresses up as a clown and does parties. And Phil, the father, uh, is terrified of clowns. And there's a great, you know, they do sort of like the office style, uh, someone looking at the camera, sort yeah, of like yeah. confession, reality show confessionals. And Phil says, I, I don't know why I've always been uh, afraid of clowns. Maybe it's from that time I found a dead clown in the woods when I was a kid. And it's like, <laughs> that is messed up, but it's a good joke. <laughs> and I just appreciated that Home Alone was able to put some dark humor in there for us. I so, like that, so, that they were able to uh, go... Because
3: that felt like a very Christopher Guest interaction in, in both of those. John Katie, I don't think I ever did any Guest movies that I can remember off the top of my head. Uh, but it feels uh-huh. still... I think he came up through that Second City, like that improv scene yeah. that, in Chicago, That obviously that like... Era that brand of of uh, of filmmaking, that I really miss. I could use another one sometime soon because yeah. it's because uh, that was a, it's a good line. And also, I think that at what point would you? Uh, you know, I'm I'm not a me and Chandler are not fathers yet. Uh or at least that we know of in Chandler's case. But Jesse, you, you have some kids. How many uh how many days before you call in a professional, Jesse? Like day one. Well, the kids was in a funeral home all day. That's, that's to be expected. It'd be weird <laughs> if he was
0: already talking about it. <laughs> kids are resilient. I'm with day John two, Candy. Well, I'm with John Candy. Kids are resilient. They'll eventually he'll speak again. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, into oh. the really great John Candy for, for giving us some, oh, yeah. uh, some dark laughs buried in a, an already it, exceedingly dark movie. That's a very dark, but yeah, the really, the darkest
3: moment in a movie in which a person steps barefoot on a nail is still a John Candy, just riffing,
0: just, just coming up with stuff <laughs> yeah. on the top of his head. <laughs> I, I literally watched uh, a, a grown man receive third degree burns directly to the top of his scalp. And this is somehow a darker moment than that. So, <laughs> And well, compare top with top this
3: top. improv, with with uh, or really any improv moment. Probably, we're going to take a quick yeah. break, and when we come back, the Hot List. Listening to Pressure to Party by Julia Jacqueline. It's kind of how I feel about New Year's Eve sometimes. It's a lot of pressure to
0: party. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of pressure. Sounds like a lot of pressure. pressure.
3: the the podcast, You Heard Kids by Pup. All right, time for our weekly look back at some of the faith and culture stories that came across our desks this week. It's time for. Number five, the last Kanye West story of the decade for us, Kanye's Sunday Service Choir dropped a new <laughs> album on Christmas Day. Okay, so back in October, when Kanye West told Zane Lowe in an interview that he was planning on dropping an album on Christmas Day called Jesus is Born, we were right to be skeptical. Kanye has said many times that he's going to do something that doesn't end up happening. The due date for a lot of these albums has come and gone <laughs> without an album, but... This time it was he made good on the promise. Uh, the album wasn't exactly what we were expecting, though. "Jesus Is Born" is officially credited to the Sunday Service Choir, the gospel music group that has been a fixture of Kanye's weekly music and preaching services that have taken place at everywhere from Coachella to Joel Osteen's mega church. The record is a collection of spiritual tunes and even remixes of past singles like Ultralight Beam, except the focus here isn't on Kanye's raps or the beats, it's the vocal power of the Sunday Service Choir. Here's a clip of Ultralight Beams. We're
4: on an ultralight beam,
1: we're on an ultralight beam, this is a God dream, this is
5: a God dream, this is everything, this is
4: everything.
0: So, uh, guys, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time in this because Lord knows this decade we have spent enough time in this podcast talking about Kanye. But I really do like this album. It's so different than uh, Jesus is King. Really impressed by the Sunday service choir and, you know, just mm-hmm. the power of the vocals and the power of these songs. Real quick, Huck, did you did you dig the album?
3: I actually did. And, you know, I've been pretty, uh, I've been not, not like a super on board with this latest iteration of Kanye myself, but this I, I did find and I like the Senator of the choir a lot. A uh, really, really gifted group of people. That uh, have c- have come around this project and the Jesus is King project. And I think that their talent here is just, it's just undeniable. I th- I thought this was, I did not yeah. have the super high hopes for this. And it, and I was really, su- really surprised in a, in a really good way by yeah. how good the album was. I-, I was a fan of it. I think it's super cool that yeah. this is good. And I hope that whatever, wherever, you know, Connie's, uh, he's a chameleon. He's going to be reinventing himself probably until, he until he moves on, until we're all dead. But I hope that whatever else happens, this this choir can stay together and keep making interesting projects because they could continue this really interesting gospel music boom that we've seen over the last uh year or so. Yeah.
0: Chandler, did you give it a spin yet? I haven't, no. At this point I'm kinda I'm I'm I don't really care about what Kanye's doing.
1: Unfortunately, I'm just kinda
0: heard <laughs> <out on> <laughs> But he hardly but I'm does I'm there with you. That we talk about or I'm newsworthy lately. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I know, I know about this because of Daily. Yesterday, I think it was,
1: and I just, mm-hmm. I haven't yeah. checked it out yeah. since.
3: I, as yeah. somebody who is also not super interested in what Kanye is doing these days, uh I would still suggest you maybe just, you know, far be it yeah. from me. Taste is subjective, yeah, yeah, no. but I would. Still, sure. I, I gave it a spin more so out of like morbid curiosity than actual yeah. interest in it, and yeah. I was ended up. I ended up being glad that I did. Awesome. Well, I'll do it. I'll
0: yeah, do it's very. Good, I'd get it. That,
3: I'd give it yeah. that far. Um, coming number four this week for the first time, a Jesus movie is being made in sign language. This is cool. I, I was. It was interesting to see the story come across and I'll be interested to see where it goes. So Deaf Missions is a global outreach organization that ministers to the deaf and they're poised to make history by by producing the first movie about Jesus's life and death filmed in American Sign Language or ASL. The organization has already produced a short pilot of the movie called The Uncondemned. You can watch that for free. We got a link over at relevantmagazine.com. While movies about the life of Christ have long been available with closed captions, of course, this new movie seeks to, to reach deaf audiences in what translators call a heart language. Deaf Mission's Chad Entinger, signed through an interpreter for Missions Network News that, quote, the heart language, it's related to a person's identity. For a person to see something in their heart language, that will really capture their heart. And they'll feel, that person will then will feel like, oh my goodness, they're actually communicating to me. This is my language. Ender signs that many deaf feel alienated by churches and ministries that unintentionally communicate the idea that God is primarily for people who can hear. He signs, this movie translation challenges that concept and is an investment in deaf ministry and discipleship. It also communicates to the deaf community that they matter to not just Christians, but to God. Deaf Mission Film is in the fundraising process. You can contribute to the project at relevantmagazine.com. The organization is also asking people to pray that God will use the project to reveal himself to the deaf community on a larger scale and to equip other deaf people in translation work. This is one of those things where when I read about it, it was it was uh Kind of like, a, of course, of course, that's never existed before. Like making a movie is a huge undertaking. And uh, yeah. obviously, given just the state of ableism in our country, it's not surprising that it's not one that people have felt compelled to do in in sign language and in, in ASL yet. But it's so cool that somebody is really trying to do it. And I don't know, did you get a chance to watch that little 10-minute pilot they put
0: together, Jesse? I did. I, I was really like... I I shouldn't be, I mean, but I was surprised at the production value. It was really high quality. I think the only reason I say that, I don't mean that backhanded. I mean that there's... There's been a lot of well-intentioned projects <laughs> involving pop culture, particularly in film by ministries yeah, yeah. that, uh, you know, the the production quality doesn't quite meet maybe what the expectations of modern audiences are. But uh-huh. this one, I felt like the production value is good. I really like the approach. Uh, I, I'm excited to see how the full project pans out here.
3: Yeah, it was filmed, uh, maybe more artistically than it needed to be there was a definitely a creative flair to a lot of the, the the shot choices and uh and, and it looked it, uh, this is they need a lot of money to do this because making a bible movie is hard you you can't just get extras off the street you have to get everybody you have to get yeah. everybody in time appropriate clothing and and then obviously all of these people have to be able to communicate in sign language it, what they're asking what they're what they're trying to do is a very very difficult thing, and I'm impressed that they're trying to do it with a lot of excellence as well. Uh, I, I hope this does well, and and I I hope that we can continue. It. The more we hear about it, the more we'll share about it because I'd like word for this to to get out and for them to have the support they need to to make this happen.
0: Yeah, it's a very cool project. Yeah, definitely, people uh, should go to the site and and check out the um check out that clip because I think they'll be very very impressed. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: So number three this week, <laughs> this is. Uh, I'll I'll need your help a little bit on this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna all need right, to I've been waiting a friend. for this one. Okay, this because this is gonna be we're we're outside of my lane and we're moving into yours here. All right. Okay, so number three this week, yeah. Lamar Jackson opens up about how God keeps him humble. So recently, Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson was fielding questions from an adoring crowd of reporters, clearly enjoying the opportunity to interview one of 2019's breakout NFL stars. Hot on the heels of him being selected for the Pro Bowl, one reporter asked Jackson just what keeps him humble, and his answer, the Lord. He told reporters, I give him all the praise, the glory, the honor. I could have been doing anything, you know, it's crazy. I've been talking to him about it, just saying I appreciate you, I thank you. The quarterback has had an MVP season, becoming the first player in NFL history to throw for at least 3,000 yards and rush for at least 1,000 yards in the same season. Here's a clip of his full comments. I give him all his praise, the glory, the honor, you know, because without him, I could have been doing anything, you know, like it's, it's crazy, you know, I'd be thinking about it, talking to him throughout the day, like, man, appreciate you, you know, I thank you, because you feel like you're bigger than the Lord, that's when... All that success, da, it go away. You know, you gotta let him know, like he the reason, he, like you having that mu- that much success. So I appreciate that from him, and I got my family around, my teammates, great teammates, coaching staff. We just gotta keep it going and let the Lord know he the number
0: one. I well, first off. I love Lamar Jackson because he is a human <laughs> video game. He is a human video game. Like when you watch him play, he's so elusive in the pocket. He's faster than everybody on the field. He's got a gigantic arm. He's incredibly accurate. He's he's the way he reads a defense and, and can just pick people apart. You know, statistically, what he's done this season, you, you know, really bears out this, you know, kind of just unheard of talent that, I mean, the NFL has never seen someone do what literally has never seen someone do what he's done this year. But I also like how casually he talks about his relationship, his, his faith, because I feel like a lot of times you hear athletes saying something along the same lines of, Oh, I want to thank God first and foremost, or, you know, you know, like, and that's a good thing. Like, I'm not trying to disparage that, but The way that he articulates his relationship with God, where he is, you know, makes it sound like he's in this constant prayerful conversation with God, where, you know, throughout the day saying, Lord, I appreciate you, Lord, you know, help me keep the like I I, that that sort of casual prayer i think it's really encouraging especially from uh you know someone with the biggest platform as he has and and for as good as he is he seems pretty genuinely humble about the the success he's had
3: i think it's 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 exactly what you're saying because i'm familiar enough with it everybody knows that 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 my my interest and my familiarity with professional sports is uh well, it's on it's on the lower end of the scale, I suppose, on the <laughs> spectrum of yeah. these things. Uh, but the the cliche, if we wanted to, we could post a video every day of an NFL player talking about God on the field yeah. or, or pointing upwards or leading to prayer or something like that. We see a lot of these things right, just in, while we're looking around for news stories. But something about this one really did catch me off guard. And I think it was that line... I've been talking to him about it, which suggests just such a familiar, ongoing conversation with God that that is almost inspiring to hear somebody talk about it like that instead of saying, oh, I was in prayer just last Sunday saying these things. This feels more like that's the kind of prayer life I'd like to have.
0: Yeah, and 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 you see it from the other side too, where Lamar Jackson, I don't feel like is someone who you who is like sort of and not and this isn't like a dig on him in any way, but like the way he talks about himself, the way he carries himself, it's not like oh, this is the guy who's marketing himself as the Christian athlete, you know? Yeah, yeah. Again, there's nothing wrong with that, but it seems more naturally infused into his. Unlike
3: a Tebow, maybe or something like that.
0: Yeah, and, and look, I mean, to, to each his own, and 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 you know, you you want to encourage people to live out their faith in the ways that they think is, yeah, you know, God calls them to, but it, this seems to be such just a natural part of who he is. Um, and, you know, that I think it's encouraging and very cool. Plus, He's Lamar Jackson. He is killing it this year. I know our I know we don't want to spend too much time on sports, but if people watch one football game this coming up, well probably not this week, you know, probably I'm imagining the Ravens will sit him because they've already locked up the number 1 seed in their division. But if you're watching a playoff game, make sure to give Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens a chance. It is an exciting exciting product they put okay. out every week.
3: Uh, that's super cool. Um Coming in at number two this week, we got our first look at Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin. Okay. This was, I'm excited about this. So before she died, uh, Aretha personally picked Hudson to portray her in a biopic. It's going to be called Respect. This week, a teaser dropped showing Hudson looking an awful lot like the R&B legend. According to the official description, Faith will play a major role in the film. It says, following the rise of Aretha Franklin's career from a child singing in her father's church choir to her international superstardom. Respect is the remarkable true story of the music icon's journey to find her voice. The movie drops next fall. This is an interesting one. I've talked about this before. Music biopics are kind of a tough one for me because they all feel so yeah. much. They, they follow such a predictable pattern of their, 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 the unlikely rise and then the struggle with, with drugs and alcohol and the temptations of stardom. And then you're worried they may not make it, but they do make it. Uh, It's just not, I'm just kind of tired of the, of that framework for this. Aretha doesn't have that story though. Aretha feels like a really interesting subject for something like this because her, she's really, really singular and she's as as timeless as they come with something like this. And the story provides just a different perspective on how stardom can operate and what kind of people can become famous because Aretha doesn't really fit any sort of mold. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for this one, too, because I do feel like like just to reiterate kind of your point, a lot of the music biopics that we've had that have kind of broken out and we've seen a couple this year that fit the mold are like the traditional decadent rock stars. Like that's the mood, you know, this this year alone, we had rocket Yeah, we had Rocketman and uh, or I guess it was last year. What was the Freddie Mercury one called Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, of course. Uh, You know where it is or same thing with to a degree like a walk the line or something where Mm -hmm. it does follow that sort of just rock star arc where Aretha Franklin. Yeah, her story is unique. And and I'm glad they're making, you know, faith a, a, a part of it, you know, because her background in the church not only affected her career and her artistry, I feel like she brought uh, that, um, you, you know, gospel was such a big part of her sound. It really affected culture, her her upbringing in the church. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really excited to see the the final product of, of, of this movie. But Jennifer Hudson looks and sounds a lot like her in that trailer that we posted. On and the that site.
3: was really, yeah. It, it, I see why Aretha would have wanted somebody like Jennifer Hudson to do it because she, she has obviously the talent, but also just kind of looks the... It, it, she has the right look for it. I'm excited for this movie. I, I hope it ends up doing a. I hope yeah. it ends up doing justice to somebody who I know is really important to a lot of people. Really important to me too. I, I was really. When Ruth had passed away, that was a that was a hard one for
0: me. It was hard to see her go. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, just a pure legend.
3: And number one this week, singer songwriter Damien Gerardo and comedian Nick Thune are going on tour this month. So this is going to be interesting. The it's it's this tour is called Sad Music, Sad Comedy. It kicks off January fifteenth in Philadelphia. This year, Gerardo released his latest album in the shape of a storm. Both artists have had an interesting and at times complicated relationship with faith. Gerardo has long been one of indie music's most prolific singer songwriters, while Thune's upbringing in the church has been part of his stand up routine. He also developed an NBC sitcom pilot. It's called Holy Star T, (laughs) S H Star T, about a small church. (laughs) (laughs) Holy (laughs) Belief, yeah. About a small church that is attempting to not get taken over by a large mega church. This week, Thune was a guest on Pete Holmes' podcast. You made a weird and talked about how he personally got religious talk banned from The Tonight Show. Here's a clip
1: the, the Tonight Show can't talk about religion now because of one of my sets. What do you mean? I did a set where I was a youth pastor. And um, you pretended to be a youth pastor? Yes. <laughs> and I'm like doing a character. Like I, I could be, like I'm just saying, I could be the most successful youth pastor. Just look at me. Like this would be it's easy That's basic it's you know yeah. whatever and then I I do like a prayer where I say you know let's pray dear Jesus thank you for these noodles ramen <laughs> oh, and I go into my, my goodness. Goodness. <laughs> and it's oh, so oh, that, should that should be banned that should be banned and I go into this <laughs> that whole- is <laughs> joke of the century <laughs> Thank you for these noodles, ramen. <laughs> it's so dumb. It is It's great though. It's great it, when it's it, delivered sincerely. I I think. It, it feels like there's candy in my mouth. <laughs> it gave me like a, like a terrible word that yeah. light up when I eat toffee. Lit up when I heard that joke. And I I find a lot of humor in Jesus um and and still like I just wrote a joke where I say um I come from a long line of dads <laughs> unlike Jesus. <laughs> hilarious who came from one mom and you know unless we're all wrong here (laughs) but it's just funny to play with that kind of stuff and so the tonight show i did this whole thing and then the next day they got letter upon letter from the christian defamation league really yeah yeah (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, Nick Thune, Damien Gerardo co- going on tour. Uh, I, I, I like both of them. Th- this interview with Nick Thune, um, I, Tyler, I want to get your thoughts on Damien Gerardo. Cause I know you probably sure, like a lot sure. of, uh, 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 people our age probably grew up with, with, you know, his albums in the rotation. Um, but this whole conversation between Nick Thune and Pete Holmes, if you listen to this week's You Made It Weird podcast, uh, they talked a lot about um, Nick Thune's issues with uh, kind of modern, basically like the Preachers and Sneakers gang. Um, he seemed to be continually referencing uh, like... Uh, a sermon by uh, Judas Smith, which has made it into his comedy routine and actually was a big subject of the set that he did on his controversial tonight show set. It was, you know, um, It seemed to be aimed at Judah Smith, who he doesn't name by name, but drops enough hints that that it's him. Um, But it was interesting because in the conversation, like one of Thune's beefs and one of the subjects of his comedy is when pastors make what he sees as overly simplistic metaphors for a spiritual issue with some sort of sometimes funny life anecdote, right? So Nick Thune particularly harps on this uh one sermon anecdote delivered by one of the sneakers and preachers, you know, preachers and sneakers kind of crew uh that uh that started with The 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 pastor talking about how one time he got lost in a grocery store when he was a two year old child. And then he relates to the audience. Have you got have any of you ever felt lost? And remember, you know what that feeling's like Uh in Thune's opinion, that that metaphor is overly simplistic. And, uh, Uh you know, he kind of goes on this riff about doing overly simplistic metaphors, which is funny. But Pete Holmes counterpoint, which I think people should go listen to, is that, well, I mean, look, Jesus talked about a lost coin, a lost sheep. It doesn't get much more simplistic (laughs) than that when discussing a pretty uh, deep theological issue it seemed that they had a pretty spirited debate. uh, I don't want to call it a debate, but a conversation where uh, Thune is definitely seems to have a degree of cynicism about faith and his upbringing in the church where Pete Holmes, I feel like is the opposite of cynical. And I feel like that's why what made crashing his HBO show so good. And, you know, Pete's been on the pod, talked about this a couple of times where it's not a cynical look It's a look at someone genuinely wrestling Mm -hmm. with complicated spiritual ideas, not cynically wrestling. Is that your takeaway from, from crashing and sort of Pete Holmes approach to the face as opposed to Thune's Tyler? Yeah, I think
3: Pete Holmes strikes me as somebody who kind of went through the cynical phase and came out on the other side of it. And does that make sense? Like, I feel like he's, I think you have to, I, I think there's there's for to be where he's at right now Takes probably processing a certain amount of of hurt or disillusionment with what you were raised in, and he. But it does seem like he's at a place now where he's trying to rebuild something. Man, I look the same way that he was uh, raised in. It certainly doesn't look like a like what a lot of our faith structures are, or or th- uh, systematic theologies might look like, who are on this podcast, listen to this podcast. But he's, but he's trying to make something and he seems like he has genuinely some very uh, fond memories of all of that. And he hasn't, th- he's been very careful to try to throw out the things that he doesn't find useful and maintain the yeah. things that he does. And I think there's value to anybody doing that. And that's always going to create a lot of Friction and tension and probably going to look very different for different people and, and, uh, people of good conscious can disagree on where they end up at. But I really admire his, his comedy about faith and religion is definitely the funniest and truest that I've found. Uh, in the mainstream, like in, in from any sort
0: of mainstream platform. Yeah. Well, and it seems like youth pastor comedy kind of having a moment, <laughs> you know, I mean, no, I, I, between I mean, the material is. endless. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, but between like Nick Thune, who has a youth pastor bit, uh, Pete Holmes, who who also has youth pastor bits. And before all of the, uh, you know, uh, sexual misconduct allegations, like even someone like Chris, you know, John Chris mm-hmm. b- bringing this sort of, y- y- you know, and to a degree, you know, Nate Bargatze, uh, you know, Bargatze's done stuff the with the pastor stuff. Too. Is it? Yeah, it, you know, he talks about it openly in interviews, and so it is funny Gem that it's that that right, right, all sort of having, on HBO. Has did, did yeah, it exactly. Adam
3: Divine. Well, almost everybody, the overwhelming majority of people in this country, have familiarity with that culture. they that people were raised yeah. at, at the very least, raised in it. If they're not still steeped in it, so I think that there is a. You're working with a pretty large shared vocabulary when you start talking about that kind of stuff, uh, and it's yeah. not surprising
0: that that places like HBO have smelled, uh, have smelled the market. And I would be interested in catching this tour, the sad music, sad comedy tour. I listened to a lot of Damon Gerardo growing up and I know throughout the years he's been in the magazine, uh, numerous times, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, just a great singer songwriter that is very open about his ideas about faith. Uh, and Nick Thune, I think, I think he probably has a little bit more of a conflicted relationship than, than a lot of people, uh, with his own faith and his own background in the church, um, but it, it, it definitely it's interesting to see two two individuals who have a history and kind of own that history and make it a part of their work and material. I think it's cool, and so yeah, that that's one that I'd be interested in, in, in checking out. It, it kicks sure. off in uh you know January fifteenth, so uh yeah, kind of a kind of a niche hot list item to end on. But I felt like it was you know oh
3: I'm kind of uh, hope we get to yeah I hope we get, I hope we get a chance to see it uh that'd be, that'd be super cool yeah and that'll do it for this week's. It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. We're gonna take a quick break when we come back. Greta Gerwig joins yeah, us. Every, every
5: time your City, we, we gon' shut it down, it down. Hey. I gotta rep the squad even if I'm out of town hey. My circle extra small, yeah, we don't play around no. You know how we do it every, every time Woo. Every time, yeah, every, well, every time We are not the same as a disconnect uh, These rappers bond chains with chains around a neck Whoa. I do it for the people who got nothing left And if I did it for the money, I would probably quit You're
3: but listening to Every Time by the social club Misfits Okay, so Greta Gerwig is the writer and director of the new big screen adaptation of the classic novel Little Women by Louisa May Alcott, which is already being hailed as one of the best films of the year. I recently traveled out to Boston to talk with Gerwig about the film, why the story holds up so well in 2019. Uh, I had a really this was a we get to talk to a lot of really cool people as part of this show. It's one of the perks of this job, and I always look forward to the many like guests who've been so gracious with their time and with their uh, with their thoughtfulness and their wisdom. But but this one there was something special about this one. I really do admire what Greta Gerwig has done for the film industry and the movies that she's made are really important. So this was a special one for me. We're going to play uh, I think most of the interview. You'll be able to hear the the conversation in its entirety here is our conversation with Greta Gerwig going way way back Uh I would imagine do you remember the first time you read the book
4: I don't actually remember the first time I read the book because it was read to me Uh and I don't it's like I don't really have a memory I always knew who Joe March was Uh I never learned who she was I don't remember it I keep I always use the comparison of the Beatles I don't know when I heard a Beatles song. I've always known the words to, I want to hold your hand. Mm -hmm. I don't know when I learned them. Um, And that's kind of how it felt to me about the March family. So it's been part of my interior landscape as a person for as long as I can remember. And I feel very um, connected to the material but on a level that I don't know that I would be a writer or a director or a filmer for. Oh, really? And yeah, because Joe March was the first heroine who I encountered who wanted something big and wild and ambitious. Mm-hmm. And I think it answered the thing in me that wanted something big and wild and ambitious. And it gave it a form and a shape and a personage. And I think I went for it because she, she did
3: so in a way, Joe kind of gave you permission to totally. to like feel the things, that, like what you're feeling is okay. It's not weird.
4: Yeah, and also that someone had felt it before. Yeah. You know yeah. that you weren't you weren't the first girl who who had that kind of fire
3: from from the like time right you heard it read to you to going back to it when you Mm -hmm. started writing does your perspective on it change or or how does it change reading it now as a grown-up definitely my perspective on it changes
4: I think that when when I read it again and I hadn't read it since I was 14 probably and then I read it at 30 and it was just Sh- shockingly modern and yeah. and shockingly messy and complicated in this way that I felt like I hadn't really remembered and I thought that it you know in particular obviously when I was an adult suddenly I was reading this section when they're an adult where the when they're adults mm-hmm. with completely new eyes and the book was originally published in two parts the first one is the girlhood roughly but it's it's a 1861 to 1862 christmas to christmas Mm -hmm. and it's what i think people think of when they think of little women and then uh the next book is published several years later in their lives um and it's about marriage and family and death and art and money. And it's all this stuff of life. And what I found was fascinating was this idea of how do we honor this younger self? How do we move forward? How do we recapture what's gone while still moving forward? Mm-hmm. And I, I found it quite um, touching, this, this, this grown-up magical childhood
3: and i would guess in that sense that creates some uh, an interesting challenge in terms of am i making this movie for 14 year old greta or am i making oh, it for me now
4: i was making it i was making it for both ideally hmm. i i felt like what i wanted to do was to deliver on the pleasures of little women mm-hmm. the thing that we think of the coziness mm-hmm. the reading the letter by the fire and i wanted to twist that and subvert it and to change it somehow. And so that dual purpose uh, ran through everything and it wasn't ever to be ironic. It was to sincerely Mm -hmm. do the thing that we love and then also show up from another angle. So in that way, I felt very much like it was a cubist endeavor. (laughs)
0: Like
4: I was trying to look at an object from several different angles at once. And, so in that way, it's both 14-year-old me and 36-year-old me at the same time looking at this.
3: When you do something like what you did with the script, is there any concern? It, it seems like a very brave thing to do, I would mm, think, because mm. this book has a lot of fans. And there yeah. are people who are going to be very mm. resistant to the idea of seeing something. And it's not like you. this right. isn't a gritty remake, but it's <laughs> no, definitely no. like it's definitely subversive.
4: Sure. Well... The, the thing that I did that made me feel secure was I went back to the book as the primary text. And I really tried to take the language of the book and the language that Louisa May Alcott used and tried to change as little of it as possible. Mm-hmm. And I sure. also used, to build the script, her letters, her diaries, her other books and her other articles, as well as letters from her family and diaries from her family, I wanted everything in the book, everything sorry, in the script to be footnotable. I wanted every moment to have a a corresponding reference that I could say this is why this is here. Mm -hmm. So I felt as long as I was grounding what I was doing in fidelity to the source material, I wouldn't go wrong because I would be respecting w- what that um, core of it was, which are the words that Louise May Alcott wrote. Hmm. So, really, to me, that was the source of it.
3: Do you feel like in adapting this? I, I was speaking with a with another novelist lately. Mm. who had been approached about uh, getting her work adapted, and she had said no because she didn't mm. think it was adaptable. Mm. Um, did you ever come across any challenges where you're like, I want to tell this part of the story, but I don't know how to visualize. I don't know how to put this on
4: film. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Well, I think, you know, when when adapting something for a film, I think you always want to be very specific about what your project is because it's not just that you're trying to... Transmit the story. That's sure. not. I mean, if sure. that's what it is, you could read the Wikipedia page. You don't. It's not just story transmission. It's a spirit. It's an energy. And I, to me, it was this woman ahead of her time, revolutionary energy that caused the viewer, the reader, to look back on themselves and become inspired. I mean, that that's the thing that I was looking for. I was looking for the thing that had inspired women for two, three hundred. 150 years mm-hmm. that, that whether it was Simone de Beauvoir or Patti Smith or Elena Ferrante or Gloria Steinem or J.K. Rowling, the thing that made them say, Joe March is my girl, mm-hmm. which was true for all those disparate women in different places. I was like, what is the essence of that, 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 that those women felt spurred on by and those those luminaries of um 20th 21st century and so keeping to that feeling in the middle of it so that I'm not just distilling plot is a big part of it but uh yeah certainly there's always passages because I love I love this book and I love I love the words and I love the way she constructs um imagery and, and and ideas and um there's whole passages that just aren't aren't either dialogue and they aren't action. They're just digressions. And it's always pains me that I can't put the entire piece of text in, but um, I try to get as much of the feeling from those digressions as I can into the film. So I always try to figure out how do I let this inform the way these lines are said.
3: That was great at Gerwig. I really do encourage people to go check Check out this uh, movie, Little Women, even if you're... you, You guys know me. I'm, I'm, I I think sort of a man's yeah. man sort of a bad the bad boy of the relevant podcast I think people would like to, I, I like <laughs> that's my, generally like, what we Everyone's
0: familiar with that yeah I'm not telling y'all anything you don't know Usually when we call Tyler he is elbow deep in red meat just plowing <laughs> yeah. through raw steak to <laughs> uh, protein yeah. up before the pot. It's exactly. I'll say this it is disgusting it is <laughs> disgusting He's I've I, I've we've called him on Skype numerous times and Tyler's salt baying like a big hunk of Like a big, you know, lamb leg right on the middle of his of his work desk. It is disgusting uh, to to see. But yeah, no, no, you're you're meat and potatoes, you know, kind of old school. I I only eat what I can kill with my bare hands. Yeah, that's important. (laughs) And, That's what and, and, makes you eating lamb so much very disturbing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not proud insist, of it. but it's...
3: it's that you insist I mean it's on a being barehanded.
0: Yeah, I gotta, I gotta have a code. And when it comes to the movies,
3: you know, I, I like, I like my explosions. I like, I like, I like it to end with. I like somebody to be shouting no to the heavens with like a long drawn out no. I, I like, uh, I, yeah. I, I, like throwing, I like the Star throwing, Wars. I like the, I like the Avengers. glasses
0: of scotches. Yeah, the, you like the, uh, you like at least one scene where an angry male protagonist throws a glass of scotch into a roaring hearth. You know, that's that's <laughs> yeah. typically where know, the
3: where the bad guy received. swirls his glass of brandy and says, we're not so different. You and I, uh, those are the those are the movies. They'll the, give me those movies. Even me. <laughs> I think you guys get the picture. Even me. I thought this movie was was probably in my top three of this year. I was really, really wowed by it, and I hope that if you, for the men out there who are who are like me, who are who are real men of the land, uh, I hope you still give Little Women a shot because I I think you will be rewarded for it. It's a really, really good experience. Uh, you can read our review of it on realmagazine.com if you're so inclined. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, playing a game.
5: There are over a million children trapped in the darkness of sexual slavery. Destiny Rescue is a Christian-based organization dedicated to rescuing these kids and helping them stay free. Girls like Tala, who once was a worship leader, became trapped and sold for sex. All seemed hopeless, yet she still prayed for a way out. Then one night, she was found by a Destiny Rescue agent. Our rescue agents are relentlessly seeking finding, and rescuing brave individuals around the world through a variety of rescue tactics. We help survivors let go of traumatic pasts through individual aftercare plans and empower them to live out their God-given destinies. Today, Tala is going to college and getting a communications degree. She is earning a safe living and has even returned as a worship leader in her church. She has found hope, worth, and restoration in the light of Jesus Christ. You can be a light and reach the next child waiting in the darkness at destinyrescue.org.
3: You're listening to Capacity by Charlie Bliss. All right, with that, we would end the decade with sort of a, a an overview of the of 2019. Oh, a look at the year that we just had with a game. We're going to be it's going to be our friend Jesse Carey facing off against a listener.
0: Jesse, who are you playing against? Today, we are joined by Laura. Laura, welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Where are you calling us from, Laura?
2: We're, I'm calling from Evansville, Indiana.
0: From where in Indiana? Evansville, Indiana. Oh, Evansville. Oh, yeah.
3: Great. Oh, how yeah. are things, how are things there today? Are you, uh, are you still coming down off of a, off of a Christmas high or was it right back to work for you?
2: Um, I actually, I took off all of Christmas, so I get to just chill at huh. home for a little while, which is really good. Um, oh, yeah. And i you for that because I was really, I was sick all day on Christmas Eve, so I couldn't eat anything mm, on Christmas oh. Eve. So I'm glad to have more time off.
0: Laura, let me ask you this. I'm assuming the answer is going to be Fortnite skins or passes to the film Cats. But <laughs> what was your favorite thing you got as a Christmas gift this year?
2: I got a slough. Tea infuser. Hold, hold, so say that. Say that again. Um, it's like a little sloth that like sits on the edge of a cup.
0: Hold on, Laura. Explain this gift again. What? What, what did you receive? It's a. It's a little
2: sloth, and you put tea in it, and it sits on the edge of a cup, and so it like infuses the tea into sl- the hot water, not like
3: the animal. It's so it's pronounced like the end, of, but it's not. A, it doesn't
0: diffuse actual. It's like a little silicone sloth tea diffuser. Flora, <laughs> this is the most specific Christmas gift I've ever heard of. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Who bought the Who bought the sloth tea diffuser for you? My mom. Okay. Does your mom exclusively buy uh, Christmas gifts out of sky mall? Because I'm pretty sure that's the <laughs> only place you can buy an item like that.
2: I have no idea where she got that, but she knows I like sloths. So I think she thought I'd like
0: it. Laura, what's your favorite part about, about sloths? Like what drew you to sloths and, and how many sloth items do you have? Like your tea diffuser?
2: <laughs> well, um, first of all, I really like sloths cause I got to see them in the wild and they're really cool. Oh. And the more I learn about them, the more hilarious they are. They like take a whole week, uh, to digest their food and they only come down from a tree like once a week to poop. And I find that really cool.
0: <laughs> that does look like a pretty good life. <laughs> that's, that's like my spirit animal right there. Yeah. That's, yeah yes. you're, I mean, the most chill existence ever. Um, yes. uh, g- our, well, uh, unfortunately, there's no sloth of trivia in the game no, you're about not. to play. Tyler <laughs> and Laura, you're going to be facing off with me. So it's quite the challenge. Okay. Tyler, why don't you explain the rules of this game that you've concocted for I us? I
3: will explain the rules and then give uh, Laura an important cast. Caveat that we discussed a little bit earlier, Jesse. So, Laura and Jesse, the game that you're going to be playing is called Gonna Take My Horse to the Auld Lang Sign. What this is, is we're gonna be playing this game Jeopardy style. I have a list of categories for you to pick from that all involve trivia over the last year. If you win, then you will be able to pick the next category. If you, uh, if you do not, okay. then the category will go on to the next person. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So the categories are, and this is where the caveat comes in, and this is going to be important for you to pay attention to, Laura. The categories are movies, music, and casual dining, Laura. The reason there's a casual dining, uh, there's going to, there's a casual dining category, is because our friend Corey Asbury was going to be joining us today, and he has some casual dining experience. Have you ever eaten at any sort of casual dining establishment, like a Chili's or an Applebee's or anything like that?
2: Uh, obviously, yes. Uh,
0: okay, good. good. Then you, I think, then you are probably as prepared as Corey would would have been for this. Listen, Tyler, I think members of the sloth fan community <laughs> exclusively eat at casual dining. <laughs> and one, real quick, before we jump into the game, Laura, what is your favorite casual dining establishment?
2: I don't know. Maybe Applebee's or Olive Garden.
0: I feel that. or Olive, Olive oh, Garden. Yeah. yeah, nope. Olive Garden. You know, I recently went to an Olive Garden and those soup salad and breadsticks, that deal is no joke. I mean, you get your fill. You never leave an Olive Garden hungry. You leave feeling like a sloth, and I—that's what is so great about it. So <laughs> I think you're well <laughs> equipped for this game. So, yeah. uh, I want to let right. Laura go first here, man. All right, Laura, you're gonna—you're gonna, you're gonna say this so. Laura, do you want
3: your first question for the for your review of the year to be from movies, music, or casual dining? Let's do movies. Movies, okay. With $358.5 million worldwide, which movie set the record for the best opening for an animated movie of all time? Was it Toy Story 4, The Lion King, or Frozen 2?
2: I think it was Toy Story 4.
3: I'm sorry the answer was Frozen 2. This oh, was a complicated Laura, one because you each had your of chance to come out a record and then it, that record was broken by the movie uh, that came out after it this year. So all of these movies broke a record at the time, but Frozen 2, the last one to come out,
0: did end up breaking the record. So okay. no points on the board. Jesse, what's your category? Sorry, Laura. Okay. I'm going straight for casual dining. You know it. Bring <laughs> it. <Great. laughs> Partly because it's close to lunchtime and I'm very hungry. But go ahead, Tyler. (laughs) Jesse, in July, Chipotle was hit with an E. coli scare experts
3: tied to its romaine lettuce. This was the food chain's first E. coli outbreak under the leadership of new CEO Brian Nicole, who Chipotle hired from what other food chain? Was it Chili's,
0: Taco Bell, Chick-fil-A or Panera Bread. Okay, to be fair, E. coli outbreaks in 2019 could have been its own category because this <laughs> happens to be <laughs> something I know a lot about. Now, the 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 corporate doings of casual dining chains, I'm not so familiar with. So this is a tough one for me, but I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have my gut is telling me My gut is telling me right now, and it could just be because I'm hungry, and Panera Bread sounds fantastic right now. Uh, Those croutons, unbelievable. I'm going to go Panera Bread. They took the CEO of Panera Bread. Am I right? I'm sorry. The answer was Taco Bell. Wow. (laughs) No wonder they got E. coli.
3: You can't forget the Taco Bell (laughs) guy.
0: E. coli Coli is actually a a full-on ingredient in a lot of Taco Bell. They just put it right on the menu. It's got ground beef. Got ground beef, we got salsa, we got some shredded lettuce, some cheese, we got that good, a uh, couple of flecks of E. coli bacteria oh, yeah. oh, to give it that good E. coli afterburn. So uh, oh, it makes sense oh. now. All right, Laura, we're tied oh, up right. coming into right. round double O's. Two. Yeah. Laura, back to
3: you. What's your category?
0: Uh, music. Music. Okay. In April,
3: Billie Eilish became the first person born after 2000 to have an album hit number one spot on the billboard. Who was the first person born after 1990? To have a top album, was it the Jonas Brothers, Miley Cyrus, Taylor Swift, or Ashley Simpson? Uh, Taylor Swift. I'm sorry. Taylor Swift was born Uh, in 1989. Just missing. the, The answer was Miley Cyrus. Uh, oh man! I didn't
2: think Miley Cyrus had a top album. That's why I didn't say
0: that. I didn't think she
3: went <laughs> <Did> that, that <laughs> far. <laughs> Her first number one album was actually as uh, as Hannah Montana. Come
0: to find oh, out, remember those, okay. remember those days? That's, that was sort of a trick question, there. Tyler. Yeah, I guess it was. You I know? guess it was. That was almost <laughs> as tricky as throwing me an E. coli question on my first <laughs> casual dining. All right, so uh, Laura's done music and movies, two areas I feel pretty pretty confident. In. But you know what? I'm going back to casual tiny. Give me the casual tiny trivia. Uh, all right. All I'm right. very hungry. I'm very
3: hungry. In, in 2019, Applebee's launched their new Sizzling Entree Specials. <laughs> Rank three of these items from cheapest to most expensive on the Sizzling right, Entree Specials. You have... Cheapest to most expensive. <laughs> you have the loaded sirloin steak and chicken fajita. Okay. The trio fajitas, which are made up of sirloin steak, chicken, and shrimp. And the sizzling cheddar and bacon chicken skillet. One right, more time. Going, That's the, uh, you already know. You already, you already got it.
0: I already got it. I already got okay. it. Okay. The cheapest is the the bacon and cheddar skillet. Because okay. the bacon and cheddar, you know, they, they, they're just left over from breakfast. I'm going to go with the sirloin two and I'm going to go with the trio three because shrimp ain't cheap. Listen, okay. I'm a, uh, that's, that's elementary shrimp ain't cheap. Am I right? Am I on the board? Tyler, you are correct. First
3: blood. We have, we yes. have points on the board. Jesse Carey, You've got it. Congratulations to Jesse. You are actually on the board now, Laura. It's not over yet though. It's only, it's still, this is still a, anybody's game. What category do you want?
2: Uh, I'm going to do movies again.
3: You got to do Go back to movies. All right, I like it. Yeah. In *Knives Out*, Chris Evans' white cable knit sweater became a viral sensation. So much so that the official *Knives Out* Twitter account changed its name to Chris Evans Sweater Stan account. Where was this sweater from? Was it from J Crew, LL Bean? Traditional <laughs> Irish retailer, Blarney Woolen Mills, or it's a mystery.
2: Oh, man. Uh, it's a mystery. That's my guess. Uh, you are
3: right? correct. The costume designer did not remember where Woo! she got the sweater from, and it remains a mystery to this day. <laughs> we are all tied up at
0: one-to-one. <laughs> You each
3: are going to get two
0: more Went questions. Tell, I think the winner should get an Applebee's uh, fajita trio on you uh, <laughs> <or> <laughs> through a gift can, card or something. Can, I'm very hungry.
3: No, thank you. We can, maybe we can charge it to the relevant and, account.
0: <laughs> and listen, I write a lot about pop culture. I read a lot about pop culture. I interview pop culture makers. So you know that out of the three categories music, movies, and casual dining my next selection will be. Casual dining. It to win. Bring it, bring it. Give me that casual dining trivia, from 2019.
3: Right. Uh, okay, here we here we go. In November. Chick-fil-A announced they would be reorganizing their charitable giving, redirecting funds away from Salvation Army and the FCA to the ire of many fans. Chick-fil-A will instead yeah. be donating to another homeless ministry. Which one of these is the new homeless organization Chick-fil-A is donating to? Is it? Man, getting, Gosp- getting saucy with this one. Yeah, this is a
0: controversial story. Controversial here, question. Really. I don't care.
3: I do bring it on. It's 2019. Is it City Gospel Mission? Hearts for the Homeless, National Alliance to End Homelessness, or
0: Covenant House International. I think it's Covenant House International, Tyler. You are correct. Jesse takes a lead. It's ah, two to yes. one. This is I own this category, Laura. I dare you to pick a casual <laughs> timing. I dare you.
2: I haven't known any of that, so, so I'm not going to.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Laura, what do you pick?
2: I'm going to do music.
3: You're going to do music again. All right. (laughs) In July, Lil Nas X's Old Town Road became the longest running number one single of all time, surpassing the record set by Justin Bieber and Daddy Yankee's Despacito, which was tied with what hit 1995 song? Was it Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio? Waterfalls by TLC? Mariah Carey and Boys to Men's One Sweet Day or Fantasy by Mariah Carey.
2: I'm gonna say Gangsta's Paradise.
3: I'm sorry the answer was One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. Oh. Jesse's. Jesse's got the Jesse's got or, a two to one on you. Yeah, we're gonna do one more question each. So it's not this
0: is not over nice. till it's over.
3: like twenty nineteen. It's not over till it's over. Still got a little time. That was, like a,
0: TR, that was a TRL era question. That was like a yeah. Carson Daily TRL era question. Yeah. That was a real throwback. So you know, you know, listen, I've gone this far with the casual dining. Do we are do you have more in that category? Because if, if I'm given the choice, I'm gonna ride or die with the category that's treated me so so well. I actually, just so
3: off chance that you made it this far. I did throw in one extra casual dining
0: question you going to ride this one all the all way right. to the grave? I'm going cu- to close out the category here. Let's bring it. Let's bring it for the win. FTW, right here. You couldn't watch television news or scour Twitter or Facebook in 2019 without spotting some mention
3: of the Popeye's fried chicken sandwich. That's right. But how did that translate to marketing value? Apex Marketing Group estimated that Popeye's reaped in how much money in the equivalent media value as a result of the chicken sandwich wars was it 20 million dollars 40 million dollars 60 million dollars or
0: 80 million dollars oh well everyone was talking about Everyone was, you know, I was heavily involved in this chicken sandwich Uh war, following it very closely. So I may be a little biased uh, because fried chicken is one of my love languages. Um, I think I'm going to say it was. 80 million dollars in marketing value.
3: I'm sorry, the answer is actually $60 million, Jesse. You retain your lead, but only by, but just by a hair. This is, Laura, this is within striking distance, and this one actually counts for two points. So, mm. if you get this one correct, you are sending Jesse home with no, no pressure. With no chicken sandwiches. No, you,
0: with no chicken sandwich, no, no, trio. no trios, just an <laughs> empty stomach and very, very irritable. I am not coming off down from my tree for a long, long time, Laura, if you get this one right. And no, so. no bragging. No idea, right? We are
3: out of casual dining
2: questions, unfortunately,
3: Laura. So you're going to be playing. to. this is going to be what they call an away game. Do you want a movie question or a music question? Okay. I think I'll go back to movies. you going to go to movies? All right. Yes. In 2019, Avengers Endgame ended Marvel's Infinity Saga following the Avengers in a time-hopping adventure to collect the Infinity Stones in a mission to defeat Thanos and bring back their fallen friends. Fanservant moments abounded, including a scene in which a surprise character proves they are worthy to pick up Thor's mystical hammer, Mjolnir. How do you spell Mjolnir? Do I
2: get options or do I just have to do it?
3: I was going to, because it's 2019, and because we're running a little fast and loose today, I can provide you with some spelling options.
0: If you would like this is, uh, can I just say combining spelling bee with Avengers trivia is the nerdiest moment in this podcast history. (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Literally the nerdiest moment and maybe in the history of all podcasts is happening right now. So congrats on being a part of this one, Laura. Are you ready? Yeah,
2: I guess. All right.
0: Option number
3: one, Molnir. M O L N I R. Option number two, Mjolnir, M-J-O-L-N-I-R, or option number three, M-O-N-Y-I-R.
2: I'm going to say option two.
3: M-J-O-L-N-I-R. That's your answer? Yes.
0: Yes. I would be hey Laura. Let me just say before he tells you if you got it right, I'd be embarrassed if I got this one right. Just to be honest with you, this would be embarrassing to actually know the answer to. I hope you were just blindly guess you know guessing when, because if because
2: it's like if super messed up spelling,
3: I'm Afraid this is a very embarrassing. I'm afraid this is a very embarrassing way to win because you did win <laughs> and you have beaten Jesse. You're going on the reigning champ of gonna take my horse to the all Lang sign. Congratulations, Laura. Thank you. <laughs> Laura, a worthy competitor, a worthy competitor. <laughs> it was a close, it was a close one, and I think if Jesse had gone, I think if you'd just been a little more modest in your guests about the the Popeyes fried chicken sandwich, Jesse, you'd be sitting on top right now. But Laura, well deserved congratulations on
0: your on well, your stunning competitor, your stunning and deserved victory. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, thanks for joining us. I I hope you enjoy some Applebee's today.
2: We'll
0: see. We'll see. I'll get there sometime. <laughs> Enjoy your tea. if nothing <laughs> else. And thank you very much for joining us, Laura. I yeah. hope you have a yeah. happy Thanks, Year. Laura. That was fun. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you.
3: Yeah, Tyler, Jesse, thanks you don't for... To be, you don't have to be salty about that, Jesse. We talked
0: about Lamar I'm Jackson about like I'm, glad, I, I'm glad I lost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I, I'm glad. That's like, that's like losing a game of Dungeons and Dragons. It's just fine with me. I'd rather, I'd prefer actually to be on the losing side.
3: I didn't know. It was a, it was, you wouldn't have gotten it yeah, right. You're mad, you just, you're mad because I, you would have, you would have gotten it wrong. And you know, you would have gotten it wrong. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, it well, doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm
0: the I see am so Well, hey, Not thanks. My my podcasting. <laughs> 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 Complaining
3: about something being too nerdy while you're podcasting is really sort of like you're, at this point ah, we're, you know, here, yeah, we're just like we're just punching, we're just punching. We're all we're, there's no punching up or down here. It's all straight across. It's all <laughs> lateral punches. We're just
0: yeah, they're all <laughs> spelling questions, Avengers, it's all lateral moves because we are professional there's, podcasters. There's so no there's no wind to be had here. No wind fair to be point. Had here. But we do appreciate
3: everyone listening point. to us in 2019 all year long. It's great to have you around. Uh, we, we enjoyed the We enjoyed the games. And hey, Jesse Chandler, Happy New Year to you guys as well. Hope happy you guys year, have a man. great yeah, 2020, year, guys. All right. I think with that, we will log off. Hey, many thanks to uh, Greta Gerwig for joining us. Little Women is, of course, out now. I would encourage everybody to go check that out. While you're on over on the uh, Apple podcast page, make sure you subscribe to the Daily Good. uh we'd love to see you join us for my for my daily look at them at the three big faith and culture stories that are defining the day every weekday and uh, with that i think we're going to wrap it up and we'll see you all back and back here in 2020 thanks a lot for listening everybody i'm tyler huckabee i'm Chandler string i'm jesse carey have a great weekend and have a happy new year bye everybody
0: My podcasting
5: Relevant Podcast Network.